it and looked, and I was like, oh, that's a 37-minute episode. Wow, that was quick. Really quick. By far our shortest ever. Damn. By, like, I think 8 to 10 minutes our shortest ever, and I was like... Yeah, we need to like accumulate more to talk about. Although maybe it was—I don't know, listeners. Let's know what you maybe think. Maybe it was good. Maybe it was just a quick, snappy episode. So I feel like there was—we covered some good. I ground. think we did too. Maybe maybe we're just getting better at this. Yeah, we're just maybe. getting more efficient. We with just it, need so. less time. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So so yeah, we took a little bit of a break. Life got in the way in a few respects. Few few different reasons for for both of us. Yeah, I would say weird week, but we're back. Yeah, and, um, <laughs> yeah, very, very straight. Life's different. Life's completely different. Yeah, we, we've been talking a lot lately about how well, we're both 25 now, yeah. which is not that old in the scheme of things, right. um, but feels like we're starting to both age into adulthood a little bit, and that yeah. is actually the first thing we wanted to talk about, which is yeah. the idea of, like, we're getting a little older, and today we were we were texting, and I was like, dude, I, I don't know what to tell you, like, I, I know we have the podcast tonight, I feel really behind on music, I like, I've, I've listened to this MGMT album a lot, but... The other stuff, like I'm just getting to, or I haven't listened that much, is this just what happens in life? You get older and you just don't have the time to dedicate to it? That's what it feels like, because I've been feeling the same thing. Like, I've been able to listen to some of the new stuff, but it feels like I'm. it's trying to catch up, rather yeah. than like, oh, I'm fully enjoying this and just like living with it. And 2018, with the exception of like Sidney Gish... And Jeff Rosenstock has kind of felt that way of just, even though there hasn't been that much, I feel like I'm out of touch with like what singles have come out for things and like when new albums are coming out. Like it's all kind of sneaking up on me. I saw like March 2nd. I'm like, oh shit, the new Titus Andronicus is already coming out on March 2nd. I was like, this is what? Like I didn't even. Yeah, I was like, I didn't even realize. And I just feel very behind on things or like I'm not in the loop as much as I was. Yeah. And that's a product of like we're focusing on like other shit. We've both had like a lot going on, you know, recently. And I think that's just kind of what happens. It's life. It's also, I think, a byproduct of the way 2018 has started. I think we got spoiled a little bit by January. But we were like, let's just listen to the albums we want to and not worry about listening to every record. Um, And as a result, I'm having a hard time kicking that. Me too. Um, But maybe that's a good thing. Yeah. Because I honestly think it, it was maybe a long time coming to revert back to a more healthy... To the mean way of listening to stuff, like we were on an in insane pace in for a couple years, and honestly, it wasn't always that enjoyable. So no, there were times it was less enjoyable. It's going to be interesting to see what this means for the next phase of the podcast because I do yeah. I do feel like there's a way in which we're turning a, a leaf a little bit. Agreed. Like, it feels like probably the show will be less about discussing every single album that is in any way relevant to us that came out in the past week and may hopefully going a little deeper on topics. I think that's a better podcast, too. Probably more interesting. Because like we said, like we people, were forcing takes on albums that we hadn't really listened to that much or didn't love. Well, so. it's like, how much do people need a roundup of albums? They, they don't. Right, and so because like, they're not listening, they're probably not listening either. They might not be listening, or yeah. it's like they're like, I could easily just find this on Metacritic. Exactly, I could just find this. <laughs> like, on, why am I going to trust these two idiots' opinions? Yeah, like on Stereo Gum. Like, <laughs> right. why? Right. Like, I'll just find it elsewhere. Exactly. So, like, my hope is that what we can do is like, as the months go along, I'm still going to try to listen to a lot of music. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. I hope that a, there's like a handful of albums that jump out every month, and we can have like maybe a little bit more detailed discussions yeah. about that, and also do some like longer maybe fleshed out segments and yeah and like kind of look backwards on stuff and have interesting conversations about that because in my opinion music discussions are more interesting with some context and hindsight in some years gone by 
rather than like, oh, what's the hot take on this new thing? Because it's like, well, we don't really know yet. We haven't been able to live with it. Well, like I, I also am like uncomfortable being a hot take guy. Yeah, I don't like it. I don't like it. Be and I think it's been obvious to listeners for years. Where like I'm just like I kind of hedge. I'm like I. It's, yeah, it's, I'm more willing to just go one way, but then. You know, I end up maybe writing stuff off or, right. you know. So, yeah, I think 2018 has been, we are. We're turning a page. We're getting older. We're kind of growing up in our lives' lives, but also our musical lives and the podcast lives, too. I'm which not, I think is a good thing. I'm going to choke up here, man. Yeah, I think, a it's a good, I think it's a good thing. It's crazy. Yeah. Dude, it, we started this, what, we were like 23? Yeah, which is yeah. not that different from 25. But, well, it, it, but feels different. it feels it different. It feels different. And it's been, I mean, we've been going at it since... Winter of 2015, and it's like the, the weird thing is, is like we have we never we don't really take breaks. Like occasionally, a week here, a week there, a couple weeks at Christmas or whatever. But we view it as like this weekly thing we have to do. Yeah, and it has morphed over time. I feel like it's become a different thing, and I think that that's fine. Yeah, and I like that we're discussing this as the first segment on on the podcast. Well, because let's be real. Like, if you're listening to this podcast, if you're one of the, like, 150 plays we get a week. Yeah. If you're in that, if you actually care about it and you're one of the few people who really listens, like, maybe this is interesting to you. Yeah, yeah, maybe it is. I hope it is. Yeah, because, like... Obviously, if you've been a dedicated listener to this point, first of all, we thank you. Yeah, big and second, shout. I guess we're doing some small thing right. Maybe, yeah. And hopefully you find yeah. this interesting in some way. Yeah, if not, I, so. I can understand that. I hope so. I hope so. So, yeah, I mean, just takeaway there is life is life, and it can be hard sometimes. Life's crazy, man. You, it's you, weird. You, it's fucking weird. Yeah, yeah. It, it really is. Yeah. I think that, I mean, it's like that. you can say so much more than that, but really that sums it up pretty I well. I know. You don't need to know any details. Like, it's just life. It's strange. You know? So let's... With that. Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's dive in, because for a while now this year, we haven't really had much to talk about in terms of hot thoughts. Um, yeah. But we have a full slate this week. What I wanted to dive in first with, Jake, our boy... Father John Misty, yep, out with a new song called Mr. Tillman. Uh, what were your thoughts on this? So, um, I really, really liked it. Yeah. I thought it was really cool um, and funny. And the lyrics, I think, are hilarious about how he's like singing as if he, like the first part, it sounds like he's talking as the maitre d' of a hotel yes. or something. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I, like, we'll go over our policies I think that's again. the whole perspective of yeah. the song. It yeah. seems like that's most of it. Like, yeah. the mattress can't be out on the balcony. <laughs> right. Like, the people outside are not in a movie. That is the funniest line of that song. When, like, to the best of our knowledge, no, like, they're not shooting a movie. Yeah. Like, that's such a funny, like... Like image I get in my head of like a like fucked up Father John Misty being like, hey, 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 hold on, are they are these all extras in a movie? Like, yeah. of course he would think that. Yeah, that's hilarious. I was like laughing to yes. myself at work about that. So like, yeah, I like the song a lot. Is it my favorite Father John Misty song ever? No, I right. think it's it's like a cool little song. What I am more interested in about this is Pitchfork's reaction, um, yeah, which was. A very telling example of the way they seemingly just decide to be out on artists that they were once in on. So, like, they loved Father John. They were all in on Honey Bear. um, And then slowly started pulling people out of the Father John Misty camp with with, um, Pure Comedy. If the trend continues from this review of Mr. Tillman, their new his new album will just get like a, basically a bad review. It probably will. And I saw them tweet out their review of this track, and I looked at the responses... And a lot of people were like, you do this all the time. Like, after an artist gets past their second or third album, you just, like, shit on them. Well, it's like, people are on to their fucking tricks. Good. It's like, it's a tired take, too. Because yeah. Because they're like, 
oh, Father John Misty's like style and his 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 little jokes and stuff are getting old. It's like, well, you just like th- this is it. That's how he writes. I know music. that's like what he does, and like, I really like it, and I like it too. Yeah. And I think that's yet another hole in the idea of music criticism in the way of giving like <clears throat> scored reviews. Because yeah, I just have a feeling whatever this album is that comes out, I'm gonna end up really liking it. Oh yeah, they're gonna give it like a bad review. They, yeah, they probably will. It just which bumps like, me out. It feels like it's interesting how much music um, writer, like the staffs of music writers and larger music criticism, like the the, the publications have to have an angle, mm. or they have to have like their their mm-hmm. stake in the ground on certain artists. Mm-hmm. It becomes really obvious if you, it, if you it, study it the it's trends tiring. over time. It's kind of bullshit, but I really enjoyed this song. I thought I think it's really catchy, um, and it's going to be interesting because this song came out with no. It didn't say it was going to be on an album. It wasn't like the first lead. It's not like oh, first lead single right. from Father John Missy's new album. It was just like here's a song. I assume it'll end up on the new album, but it, it, maybe to, not. To me, it looks like something that would be coming from a new album because it yeah. had, you know how the, like you can sometimes tell by the way the single art. Looks. Yes, it's it's stylized in like a way a very specific way. Yeah, where yep. you it just feels like that might be. The aesthetic of the album cover. If it is, I like it. I do too. And it's a good parallel to a song like Real Love Baby that just came out yeah. as just a single. And if you look at that single art, it's like the Technicolor artwork. You're like, oh, that's just a one-off thing. You can just tell by yeah, the artwork. You can yeah. tell. It's, yeah. so, it's such a funny irony, by the way, about Father John Misty that Real Love Baby is like his most listened to song. I know. I love that song. I, right. But it's so funny that for this dude who's like releases that song like as a joke and as like a right. comment on stuff... Has that kind of blow up in his face by having it be really popular? <laughs> I know. Well, it makes sense because he's a of good course. songwriter. It, yeah, of course, of course. Um, so well, I'm excited for that. As am I. Sean, what song? What what thoughts do you have about uh, Kendrick Lamar's Black Panther soundtrack? Okay, this this I, I saw this coming out. And I was like, you know, I, I'm excited because Kendrick's in charge of this. But I was like. It's weird. It's a soundtrack, but a lot of these songs aren't in the movie. I didn't fully know how to feel about it. Right. And I gave it a listen. I was like, oh, this is actually really good. This is like a Kendrick album, but like without the burden of being a Kendrick album. Yeah. And you can just kind of try stuff. It's a little less serious. He's a bunch of guests on there. Um, it's more of like a collaboration feel. You know what it kind of feels like to me? I, I, I'm comparing this to Kanye doing like... Watch the Throne or the G.O.D. music compilation yeah. um, back in the early 2010s, and it didn't have the weight of being a Twisted Fantasy or a Yeezus, etc. This kind of feels the same way, where it's like, no, it's definitely not as good as Damn or Pimp a Butterfly or Good Kid. It's still really good. But it's it, probably still going to be like one of the better rap albums this year. It's also lower stakes than that. Yeah. And I, and pretty much anything Kendrick comes out with is really interesting. Yeah. I haven't listened to this album a bunch yet, but I have listened a ton to that song, All the Stars. I think that, that song is such that song's a jam. great. The, the Scissor hook. hook. Yeah. Really, really good. It, it's so catchy. I actually saw Black Panther. Oh, how was it? It's, it's, it's really good. I was... It was after work and I was drowsy during the oh, beginning. This is such a washed up yeah. thing to say, but I was falling asleep for the first half hour. Oh no! But I but it was a good movie. I yeah. ended up really liking it. And the part I was most excited for was the fact that I knew in the credits inevitably that would be the credit song, and it was. Yeah, and it was awesome. Oh, that song's great. That's it, a hit. That's a hit. It's it's, it's so total yeah. Jam. I've been I've been liking it. I haven't listened as much or like really dove into it as much as I would a normal Kendrick album. 
I, I personally think it's like a little too long. There's there's some filler on here, I right, think. But sure. there's also some great, great songs. So I, I'm pleasantly surprised by it, actually. That, that's how I felt when I listened to it. And it, I think it's worth people's time. Uh, so the other big release, Jake, this is uh, one where I had kind of similar feelings with. This is uh, the new Car Seat Headrest album. Well, new in quotes. Yeah. Twin Fantasy. So, And I think that was my issue with it. When this came out, I was like, well, this has already come out. I've already listened to it before. I didn't, it didn't like fully grab me the first time I listened. I was like, there's some good stuff here, but I don't know if I'm going to go back. And then I listened uh, when it came out last Friday and I was driving home from somewhere. And it, it just maybe it wasn't the best time to listen in the car. I was tired, you know, it's just not a great first listen. So I was like, I don't know, something about Twin Fantasy, not really doing it for me. I've since gone back and I've listened in different contexts. I'm actually really enjoying it. The fact, though, I can't shake it. It still doesn't feel like a true car seat headrest album because it's like it already came out. This is what I, I was really most interested in talking about about this album is like, I don't know if it's the type of the way I think about things or my type of brain, and I, I assume yours too. But there's something about this album where I mean, I haven't even listened to it that much, and I've enjoyed it. Yeah. But I can't shake that feeling of like, but it's not really new. Yeah. But like, then I was thinking on the way over here tonight when I, I, to record the podcast, I was like, well, maybe like, what's wrong with that? Like, that's it doesn't actually, matter. It's actually right. a really interesting artistic move to take a previously previously released work and be like, you know what? I wanted better for that. And yeah. so I'm going to re-record it and, and do better by it. And just by nature of how popular his last album made him, j- j- by default, this is going to get more eyeballs now. Even though people who may have liked Teens of Style could be like, oh, I'll go back and listen to Twin Fantasy. I'm sure they didn't, but the fact that it got re-released as quote-unquote new makes them now go listen to it. That's what happened with me. Yeah, me, me too. And like, they are new recordings, and it is in, in by virtue of the fact that he is so much more popular... And I think he's signed to what Matador now. Yeah, um, yeah. He has the infrastructure to to record this in a way that's going to sound a lot better. Yeah, and that's actually a really self assured move. That's like a, yeah, that's a, a shooter's going to shoot move. Seriously, to be like, you know what? Like I had huge ambitions for this album. Yeah, like, dude, it's a buck ten or whatever. Yeah, there's huge. There's a sixteen minute track. Right, and he's like, you know what? That was not and his, a thirteen minute one, right? And he's it, like a bunch of seven and six yeah. minute ones. He's like, you know what? That was never up to snuff. As like, I always heard it different. Yeah, and so I'm gonna re-record this and like get the sound I always heard, which is really cool. It is cool, and I, I, I commend him for that. I think I have mixed feelings about it, but I'm starting to finally lean over to I, like, who gives a shit? I am too, and I'm just like, oh, this is actually just a really good rock record, and it's. A little, it's less immediate than than Teens of Style is. It's a little more dense. You got to work a little bit more at it, and it's finally. I think I've listened four times now, and on the third and fourth listens, it like really started to reveal itself more. Like songs like Sober to Death, Bodies, um, High to Death. Those are all really good songs that like I just take a little bit of work to really get into. So I've been enjoying it, um, and I've been. Pleasantly surprised again by this one. Speaking of pleasantly surprised, Sean. Oh yeah. Um, here's an album I've been very pleasantly surprised yeah. by, and the one I have the most I could actually speak about sure. on this episode. The new MGMT album, Little Dark Age. I think what's fun to talk about with MGMT is like they are one of those bands, and we're gonna do a segment on this in an upcoming episode. The idea, the premise is artists who are more important to you as a music listener individually than they are to music as a whole. And MGMT is a great, great example of that for, I think, both of us. Yeah. They were really, really important to me in high school, 
And it's weird because the narrative around them for a few years after felt like it was like, oh, MGMT never really mattered. I actually like finally went back when I was a little older and looked at the reviews they got. I was like, oh, they were never really that positive. Like Pitchfork right. never liked them. Like maybe they were never that great. And so I started to get down on MGMT. Um, and when this album came out, I didn't have that many expectations, but I gave it a listen. I, I'm really, really enjoying it. I, and it made me it's realize... It's a nice album. It's a nice album. It's like, it, by, by no stretch is it some masterpiece. No, but it's good. It's enjoyable. It's really enjoyable, and it is enjoyable track by track. It's an easy listen, too. The, and there's yeah. no... They don't drop any tracks. There's no. nothing in there that... Like, and it's funny, dude. It's, yeah. It's funny. I, 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 I always forget that... MGMT. I don't know if it's Andrew Van Wingarden or who, where that comes. From. I think he's the dude who writes the lyrics. He's really funny. Yeah. Like Time to Pretend was a funny song back when. Yep. And like the songs on here, like she works out too much is hilarious. Yeah. That's not like the the, it, the whole idea is like what they broke up because the, she worked out too much. Yeah. And he's like I couldn't like hang with that. <laughs> right. It's really funny to me. It is. It is. And then there's like time spent looking at my phone. Yeah. And like yeah, there's a sense of humor here. Let me ask you, is that the song that has Ariel Pink? One of these songs has Ariel Pink. It sounds like it. I it think that like is. Him. It definitely sounds like an Ariel Pink song. There's a lot of Ariel Pink vibes on here because Ariel Pink there has are. that sense of humor too. The song James reminds me of Ariel yeah. Pink a lot. It sounds like something that could have been on yeah. on uh, what was the album he just put out? I can't remember the name. Oh, dedicated to Bobby James. Yeah, um, um, I, I've been enjoying this. Very enjoyable. Is it going to be like a top ten album of the year? Probably not. But oh, here, here's the thing, man. Like probably not. But the way 2018 was going, it's like you don't. Yeah, I don't know. And the amount I've just been defaulting to listening, yes, because it's easy. It's a good, easy listen. It's easy, it's enjoyable. I I like a lot of the songs. I think Little Dark Age is one of their best songs. One of the best songs of the year so far. I love that song. I had a great experience, Jake, when I was, and I I was in the shower and this song came on. I was just dancing to it, just like full. Like I didn't give a fuck. I was just like I'm dancing to this song. It was a lot of fun. It was a very freeing moment. That's not something I would normally do. That's awesome. Little man. Dark Age brought it out of me. That's what MGMT brings out of you. It does. I also really, really like me and Michael. I really like James. I really like One Thing Left to I Try. I do too. I've been really enjoying uh, When You Die. Like, there's yeah. what the thing is is what's cool about this. Is, Go fuck yourself. Yeah, yeah. dude, like, that's awesome. Yeah. It's really cool. <laughs> it's great. Um, and uh, the last song, Hand It Over, yeah. when, they're, when they're doing like Look Who's Bending Over and stuff. Like those lines are funny. Also. What they've done, the progression that MGMT has taken is like they went from Oracular Spectacular, where every song had like a hook, a yeah. big hook of some kind, or a synth hook or vocal, whatever it was, riff. Now these are a little bit more complicated. The songs are a little less; they're they're a little less um, directly catchy, I'd say. Yep. And there's these really cool little instrumental flourishes, like these like sort of warped sounding guitars. Dude, I I love the relatively instrumental track uh, "Days That Got Away." Yeah, that's too. a really cool song. I was thinking earlier with "Days That Got Away." That song reminds me of um, of the back half of "Low" by Bowie. Yeah, it reminds me of like Warsawa. Great call. And, yeah. and uh, what's it called? Like "Wishing Wall." Yeah, those songs. Yeah. That's, a, that's a really names. that's a really good comparison. I agree. Here's the thing. This is this would be my takeaway with the with the MGMT album. If you were into them like us when you were younger, and you're like, ah, not so interested anymore. They were kind of a buzz band. I think that that has followed them to an unfair degree. It has because this is interesting stuff, and it's a cool little album. And I thought they shook that with congratulations. Yeah, they shook that like reputation. I thought pretty quick, where they're like, "Oh, we're super popular because of these catchy songs. Let's do weird shit." 
or like relatively weird because if you go back and listen, it's so accessible. It's pretty accessible. It's like that, congratulations is such an easy. But it seems so to. weird to people at the time. Well, especially for us, like in high school. Yeah. I remember, dude. I, I, this was the story I, I wanted to tell. When I was, I think I was a senior in high school, and I remember I was listening to the radio still. And yeah. there was a radio station I listened to that's no longer around. It came out of Boston, and it was an alternative radio station. I think it was 92.1. Yeah, I remember that. Yep. And I would have that on in my car all the time. And I remember one night I was driving around with a friend or something, and I was driving home, and they were like, oh, so coming up, we're premiering the new MGMT song. Oh, wow. And I was like, shit, dude. Because like, at the time, I was like, this, the Oracular Spectacular was really important to me. I yeah. was like, I love kids. I love Electric right. Feel. Um, and I was like, I can't wait for this. And f- they played Flash Delirium. Yeah. And I remember at the time, I was like, that is like the weirdest song <laughs> right. I've ever heard. <laughs> right. I was like, what do they do? That's so crazy. Right. Like at the end, we're doing the like six, six, five, five, red, bat, like that whole part. I was like, yes. what? Like, what is this? I was like, I didn't know if I liked it or if I hated it or loved right. it or what. Right. You listen back now, and it's like that, that song's so easy to get into. The whole album is. It really is. I love. Um, I had a whistle. Yeah, I love uh, Flash Delirium. Obviously, there's another one on there that's very catchy. Um, I I really like Congratulations. The song. Congratulations. Yeah. Um, I I like it's working. I it's like, working is the one I yeah I'm thinking Siberian of. Siberian breaks. Yeah, it's all really good. Song for Dan Tracy. I, I listened recently. I was like, oh shit. Like, this is really good. Dude, I listen to Siberian Breaks is on my, like, sleep playlist. Yeah, yeah. Because it's, like, a very mellow, yeah. like, psychedelic sort of, like, jam. And it's like, long, jam. too. It is long. Is There's good. all these different parts. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I love that song. I, I'm happy with this new MGMT. I'm, I'm liking it more than I thought I would at all. It's very enjoyable. It is. And it feels like, the, like... I didn't really love that self-titled. I didn't listen to it very much. Yeah. But it's like pretty good track record for a band to go Seriously, three or four. Three out of four. Good good solid records. How yeah. would you actually rank them? It's interesting. I think my favorite's congratulations. Because I I yeah, I, I want to say it's the most consistent because I think the dirty secret about Oracular Spectacular, it's not the most consistent album. There's no. some there's I don't want to call them clunkers. No, they're not clunkers, but they're ones where when you listen back with some hindsight, you're like, oh, this isn't as impressive as no, I thought. Right. I had less context when this came out. Right. The, 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 like the, I, I think of like Weekend Wars as one where I was like, oh, this song's awesome, and it's like it's a good song, yeah, but it's fine. going back now, I'm like, oh, it's not as cool as, as like, I thought. Yeah, right. And like um, of Moons Monsters, like I like that yeah. song. I like all those songs, but I Congratulations is more a more rewarding listen to me. It's a, I think yeah. it's a more mature record. Yeah. Um, I could see Little Dark Age because it's very different. I know. And because they're trying different things and it's like its own little thing. It's kind of funny. It's got its own identity. I could see this sneaking up. Yeah. And not necessarily being my favorite, but... Uh, I could see but, like, but being in the conversation where it's like, well, you gotta remember Little Dark Age. I, little Dark Age is there like some girls. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, that's a bold like comparison, well, but yeah. Well, MG- but yeah. MGMT is not as good a band as the Rolling Stones. Right. And like so, they if 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 you're gonna just say on a on a diminished level that congratulations and oracular was their like late sixties early seventies run right. Like yeah, this was like yeah. ten years later. This would be yeah, like yeah. like there are some girls. How crazy is it that that ten years ago was oracular spectacular? Ten years. Nine years ago was uh, that's wild. Nine years ago was congratulations. Oracular. Wild. I think oracular was eleven years ago, dude. That came out oh in seven. Oh my god, you're right. Yeah, you're I, right. We didn't get into it until later. You're right. Holy shit. That's crazy, right? Wow. Wow. 
let's wrap up with uh, the album talk here. The other one that came out is this new U.S. Girls album called In a Poem Unlimited. And this is one I've listened like two or three times. I probably have the least amount to say about this. It did get a Best New Music from Pitchfork, so we're legally obligated to uh, give it attention. So uh, I think this is a pretty good album. It's 11 songs, 37 minutes. How would you describe this, Jake? It's it's like a rock album, but it also has like these like electronic, almost new wavy flourishes too. Is yeah, that... and in a wide eclectic range of instrumentation, yeah. there's, there's a bunch, there's a bunch of horns or saxophone, and I, th- I think it's in Rage of Plastics or Velvet for Sale. One of the first tracks, there's like a bunch of. It reminds me of like Stones. Again, not to reference the Stones twice, but like the sax coming in hard. Um, yeah, th- it's interesting. I feel like I need more time with this album because it feels very much like it's one that's scattered up with a bunch of different ideas. Yeah, I know when I'm listening to it that I really like. I it. do too. I know it's good, but I got to be honest. I don't know how any of the songs go. That's how I feel too. I look at it now and I'm like, ah, I don't. Totally, I, mean, I, I honestly have no clue. Don't totally remember. I, I remember like looking at tracks to try. I, here's what I will say. Yeah. I really like the album cover. Yeah. Super cool album cover. I like any album, Sean. Yeah. That does like this thing at the top. Bad yes. radio. But like if you yes. have if you apply a border yeah. to an album cover, or yep. like if you apply something that looks like basically a standard issue record yes. company label. Yes. I'm all it's in on very that for cool. some reason. It, it, you make like I think it's um what is that? Four A D? Is that the yep. the re- the label? Yeah. If you make the label very obvious on your It's really cool. On your uh cover, it is. It's awesome. I was gonna say also just while we're on the topic of album covers, I actually think Little Dark Age is a really cool album cover. It is. Like yeah. you, I was thinking, you don't see many straight up yellow no, album covers. No, no, you don't. Yeah. You uh, don't. So th- th- to be honest with you, man, I don't have a whole lot to say about US. No, it, it's good. It's good though, and I do want to listen more. Um, and then just to wrap up here, like I was saying at the top of the show, we've had there's been so many like little things coming out, little news drops of like, oh, this album's coming out. Here's a new track here, new track there. Just to kind of wrap it all together, we had a new track from Beach House, and they're coming out with a new album. Hot take, a little trust tree action here, Jake. Yeah, let's hear it. Song's good. It's good. I'm a little tired of the Beach House like aesthetic right now. I don't ever want to listen. Like I love, love all of those Beach House records. I never find myself wanting to listen to them anymore. Yeah, I... Just lately, like in the past year, I've been like, nah, I'd rather not. I've always been in the camp of I, I like Beach House. I don't like them as much as it seems like a lot of my friends do. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I, I didn't, so I didn't listen to this song yet. I, and I it's don't a have good, it's much a good song, to say about but it, but I don't have much I'm, I'm, to, yeah. Sean, I just said I don't have much to say about it. What I mean is I have nothing to say about it because <laughs> I haven't heard it. Um, I can understand why you feel that yeah. way about Beach House because they've been pretty prolific. And yeah. for my money, and I, I've gotten shit about this oh, in the I past. Know. For my money, they haven't done a ton to change it up that much. This song, and it got a best new track from Pitchfork. Big surprise. I'm actually shocked by that. Um, Because it's about time they'd start to distance themselves from Beach House. It felt like they might have been. felt like they were already doing that with the last two records. But although didn't they give Depression Cherry best new music? They actually did, and they did not with Thank Your Lucky no. Stars, which I liked better. I agree, I do too. I thought Depression Cherry was their worst in a while. Yes, um, I don't remember. Still that. good, still good, still good album. But uh, yeah, they give it a best new track. It actually does sound a little bit different. I think you'll be like, oh, okay, you're doing some stuff. So, and that's I think why they gave it a, a best new that. track. And then Courtney Barnett also announced a new album. She put out a new track. Hop Along also put out another new single, which is really good. I think this Hop Along album is going to be 
very good. I'm very excited for that one. Yeah. Hop Along is, is a really, really cool band. Here's one that... This song is, like, different, too, the new single. It, really? You're going to be like, whoa, like, they're, they're like, doing stuff they're here. Swinging, yeah. They're swinging for something. Yeah. Speaking of bands that are doing things, this is off agenda. Sure. I was... They, I happened to be listening to the radio um, in the car, and they put on whatever station I was listening to, I think it was The River in front of Boston, they put on the new Decemberist track. Have you heard this? No, I haven't. I've never listened to the Decemberist that yeah. much. Yeah. But I know that they're generally folky, right? Yeah. This song was like all electronic and shit. Really? And you can tell it's them because that dude's voice oh, is so recognizable. 100%. I have no idea what the song is called or what like if it's off a new album or whatever. Yeah. But I, I, if there's Decemberist fans out there, get at us because this seems like a total departure and I don't really know what to make of it. Was it good? Did you I liked like what it? I heard. Okay. Yeah, I liked what interesting. I heard. Very interesting. Too much stuff out there, though, Jake. A lot of stuff, Too man. much stuff. And, like, I I, I, I put my hand up because I had a hard time keeping up this week. Too much. It was a very busy week for me. Yeah. And I just, like, with those singles, I didn't get to them. I will. And, and my attitude has been, like, I kind of just want to wait for the album. It's yeah. easier. Yeah. You know? Like, I, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. I'm not going to put any pressure on myself. Um, let's move on, Jake. Uh, I got a I got a show and tell for you. All right. Uh, so get head to the the front of the class. Show and tell for your boy Sean. So last night I traveled down to Boston to the Sinclair Rock Club uh, because I got to go see Frightened Rabbit on their Midnight Organ Fight 10th anniversary tour. So they're doing a limited number of shows and they're playing Midnight Organ Fight, their 2008 uh, breakthrough album in full. Um, so I just want to just start off by saying that I really think Frightened Rabbit and especially Midnight Organ Fight, they're awesome. They've quietly become one of my favorite active bands and Midnight Organ Fight means a lot to me as an album. It's my favorite album by them. It's one of my favorite albums that has come out this century, I would say. I love it. So getting to see it live was very, very cool. Um, and I, I had a, a go ahead, yeah. I, well, I just have a question. I've never been to one of those shows where a band plays an album front Me to neither. back. Neither. How? What was that experience? Like? Okay. So th- this, this was. I, I was going to say. I have a few observations from the from the show, um, and one of them was I've never been to an album specific show before, so I didn't really know what to expect. I assumed they would just jump right in with the Modern Leper, which is the first song off Midnight Organ Fight. They didn't. They started with Living in Color, which is on uh, Winter of Mixed Drinks. And I was really thrown. I was like, wait, what the fuck? Did I mess up? Is this just a regular Frightened Rabbit show? And then they ended up playing like a few other songs, none of which were from Midnight Organ Fight. Oh. But what they were doing, they were just like, we're going to play like some of our biggest songs first. Then they went into Midnight Organ Fight, played it front to back, did an encore of a few other big hits. Oh, that's cool. So it was like, they played like a full show. It's just they happened to play it in order, Midnight Organ Fight, like in the in the middle of it. So they bookended that with yeah. some hits. Yeah, um, which was cool. And it they, was good. Did, they did Midnight Organ Fight in front to back. In fr- front to back. It was so funny, too, because I, I've now seen Fright Rabbit four times, and there were certain songs on Midnight Organ Fight that I always loved that I wish they would have played live, and I understand why they didn't. Oh. Because... Watching them perform some of these songs, I was like, oh, some of these are, like, hard to perform live. There's a song that, like, in the in the studio version has horns in it, and they didn't have, like, the ability to, like, have those horns. Right. So it was just Scott the singer, like, making, like, the melody of the horns, like, with his mouth. And I was oh. like, oh, like, that's why I've never heard this song before. 
Um, interesting. So how, yeah, how did, how did that impact the, your enjoyment of that? Oh, it did. It was just interesting because it was like it didn't make it worse at all. One of the so there was a couple like I, I would say maybe negatives about this show. Okay. Actually, the first one was the foreboding and sinister announcement that they made before the show about knowing where the exit doors are in case of any emergency. And what was really weird is, like, this wasn't just, like, your typical, like, oh, emergency exits are located in the back that everyone just kind of talks through and talks over. Everyone got really quiet and, like, legitimately was looking around to be like, okay, I'm noting where an exit door is. The place got, there was, like, a weird feel in the room where everyone immediately was like, oh, Someone could easily just shoot this place up right now, and, and we need where we need to know like how to get the fuck out. Can I ask you what was the the content of that warning? Like what was it, like how how was it worded? It was this guy. He comes on the the speaker. He's like, in the very unlikely case of an emergency, please note where the exit doors are, and if there is an emergency, feel free to use them. And like, but it like struck a chord with people because it was like that's not an announcement I've ever heard there. Everyone was very aware, and like there was like this like dull murmur that went over, like oh, like can can, can I quickly? Th- I won't divert for long. Yeah. Can I just make a quick, just an ins- inserted note about how fucking crazy it is that we're sitting here doing a podcast again with yet another school shooting in I, interview? I know, and that that was the larger point I wanted to make about that announcement. Is like that announcement. They weren't directly referencing a shooting. But that's what was on everyone's mind. Yeah, and that—that's fucked up, man. That's a problem. It's been—it's crazy, I, you know. And like again, I won't keep going because you're, you're doing the middle of a segment. But good for these kids in Florida. Oh my god, who are like actually standing that up? That kid owned Rubio last night. Rubio yeah. didn't know. Rubio is such a little pee boy who just he go he's like I'm going to kill it in in these presidential debates or I'm going to get up here and really like speak to to the second amendment and he just gets fucking owned by everybody he goes up against and looks like a fool. Well, it's fu- he did admit that he's reconsidering some of the laws with one specific thing. Of course thing. he's saying that. Right, I, I get that. I I'm certainly not pandering to Rubio. Um but it's interesting because I was listening to some of that this morning um, on the news, and I was like, oh, yeah, when you're 17 and 18, like, you really, really believe shit still. You do, I was yeah. like, because I remember, yeah. I was like, when I was 17 and 18, I believed I that you could just, like, be like, because the, these kids were like, we're the kids, you're the adults, like, make the, dis- like, m- do something. <laughs> right. And, like, dude, being 25 and staring down my late 20s, yeah. it's like, dude, no one knows what the fuck no. to do. No, Like, good for these kids for yeah. doing it and trying yeah. to get something done. But it's interesting to hear that. And, and you can tell their understanding of, like, how this all kind of works is, like, sort of limited. Yeah. I think it's good. That but I still think it's it's amazing. And they fucking owned Rubio last night. Can we just talk about really quick also, regardless of how you feel about gun ownership. I'm not even that opposed to it. But the NRA is fucking evil. Oh, the, truly, truly evil. And their, their, their propaganda and marketing machine truly is evil. a well-oiled machine. Yeah. And it is it completely manipulative it's and up. horrible. Fucked up. Uh, the they tr- just come up with these catchy slogans. Yeah. Guns don't people, people kill people. A bad guy with a gun, the only way to stop them is a good guy with a gun. And people Fucked buy up, it. man. They do. Stupid people do. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of stupid people. Did you happen to see the clip of, like, the Democrat or, like, the, the liberal foil they had to Rubio up there? He was some other senator. I didn't. This dude had the whole crowd behind him. 
And he was, he was like, I'm gonna shoot my shot right now. Yeah. And like, I got these people in the palm of my hand. And he was saying this shit. And he was like cheesing for the camera. And it wasn't totally landing. And it was like, if he didn't have the whole crowd behind him, he'd be like failing. Oh. But like, it was a little awkward to watch. I was like, ooh, like, dude, you're not taking advantage of this moment that well. I did not see that. It was. I saw it on Twitter. I was like, oh, like that didn't totally sit well. The crowd was still kind of cheering for him, but it was like, ooh, you kind of like flubbed that dude. Do you know what the name of the guy was? I forget. Okay. Just no, if I... you look on CNN Breaking News, their feed, you'll find a bunch of clips from that night. That's how I saw most of it. I wasn't yeah. watching it live, but okay. uh, you'll you'll see it there. And this dude, it made me laugh out loud. Okay. <laughs> like how, but anyways. Midnight Orchid fight. The point was, it was a weird way to kick things off because everyone you know was thinking about the recent events, and it was kind of weird. And it it just, you know, makes you think. Um, Also, the opener was this band called Winter Sleep. I don't know if you've heard of them or the listeners have heard of them. I had never heard of them before. Apparently, they're like good friends with the guys in Frightened Rabbit, and they were like a little bit older too. They said they were from Canada. Looks like their first record came out way back in like 2002. Oh. So like I, they've been around the block a bit. I was fucking blown away by this band. Really? Blown the fuck away. What kind of style were they? Like in, just indie rock. Indie rock like sounded a little like Interpol. Oh. But like they had this guitarist. He's up there. He's got like this full beard, long hair. And like one of those like not like a cowboy hat. It's one of those cool just like. You're in a band hats. Right. And he's up there fucking shredding, dude. And, like, they had awesome solos, great melodies, like, catchy hooks. They were really, really good. I need to check them out. Yeah. Because I was like, holy shit. Like, these guys are getting up here, and they're just owning it. And they look like a bunch of, like, dads. Winter sleep. Winter sleep. All yeah. the word. Yeah. Yeah. They were really good. That's something to check out. Yeah. So that was that was a great way to start. Um, another interesting sort of negative here. I've never been at a show where more people were kind of borderline heckling the performer. Frightened Rabbit? Yeah. So, I okay. So, I think people got, like, they went hard for this show. Like, a lot of liquor being drank for this show. Like, there was a lot of drunk people in the crowd. Which makes sense given Frightened Rabbit's aesthetic. Exactly. And I think there was, there was also a lot of slightly older people there. Because if you think, this record's been out for... 10 years, it was like a lot of late 30s, early 40s people. I'm sure they got way into this when they were like in their late 20s. Yeah. Probably meant a lot to them. And a lot, there's a lot of drunk people and there's this guy asking them to do like this cover song, like Scottish Winds or something. And Scott, the lead singer, was like pissed. He's like, dude, did you really buy a ticket to the Midnight Organ Fight 10-year anniversary show to not hear it. He's like, I'm sure there's someone else out there who would love to take your place. He, like, took this guy to task. Holy shit. And he had the whole crowd. Everyone in the crowd was, like, like hated this guy. It was, like, all behind Scott. It was it, it was great. And then there was this other woman towards the end, shit-faced drunk, yelling out she wanted, like, some fucking song from, like, the first, first album. And Scott was doing his best to just, like, not acknowledge her. She was, like, right in the front, too, and kept yelling at him. I've seen them live a couple times, too, at festivals. Maybe just once. I think twice, though. Yeah, yeah, Newport and Boston Calling. Right. Yep. That dude seems really funny to me, he, Scott. Dude, he's hilarious. Yeah. Every time I've seen them four times now. It's like a fucking stand-up set when he's really? up there. This guy, and I always thought, I was like, oh, he probably has some banter. He's just like, he busts out every night. 
He had like two, three people like yelling shit out to him. He had the funniest, most clever responses just off the cuff. Had the whole crowd roaring in laughter at like these like drunk idiots. He had the perfect responses every time. I don't. It's like a weird. He's too good at it. He's also having a Scottish accent helps. That that helps. How about a Scottish dude named Scott? Yeah, a little on the nose. Yeah, little on the nose. That's interesting. But um, overall, really cool to go to to see that tenth anniversary show. It clearly that band and that album means a lot to a lot of people, not just me. Like everyone was singing along to every single song on there, especially Modern Leper. Modern Leper, I think, is like the song from that record, and yeah. that's my favorite Fright Rabbit song. Um, and it, it was a great experience. I'm really glad I went because I know I said a, a few weeks ago I was kind of out on concerts and. I'm probably still going to dial it back for this year, but that was a great experience. So I'm I'm glad I went. That's awesome, man. Yeah. It sounds like it was a good time. Yeah. Um, let's wrap it up yep. with uh, some recommendations of the week. Yes. Here's what I got for you this week, listeners. A um, couple <laughs> uh, throwbacks here. Mm. I have Your Love by The Outfield. If you don't know how that song goes when I say that name, just put it on Spotify. I like promise you, you know this yeah. song. It's very, very catchy. Yeah. It like came on the radio recently or something where I like just thought to listen to it on Spotify and I remembered how like this song is a jam. Also, Bill Simmons, if you are familiar with him, he references it a lot as like a touchstone of of Patriots fans at right. Gillette Stadium. That's right. not why I'm into it. Right. I, I like this song. Right. My other recommendation of the week, because it's a fucking jam, <laughs> is Ray of Light by Madonna. This is a song that came out in 1998 and it's one of those ones where I was growing up, I was a little kid, I remember hearing it on the radio. And I remember back then when I was a little kid, like I, you, I never really liked or didn't like songs. If that makes sense, yes. I, it, I, it was like a couple years later when I started to be discerning and be yeah. like, oh, I like this, I don't like that. Right. There were like the in the earliest years, I'd say up until I was about six or seven, songs just kind of existed. Were there, yeah. And I was like, oh, that like those songs are okay. Maybe I like some. Yeah. But for the most part, when I hear them on the radio, they're just there. Right. This is one that was always just there, and it's funny to go back. And apply a similar lens that I look at music with now yeah. to music that I heard so much growing mm-hmm. up and was so much just a part of the background noise of my life mm-hmm. when I was young. Ray of Light's one of those. Revisit this song, people. This is a cool song. Like Madonna, the melody of it's really cool. The production's really neat. It does. It like builds up. It's five minutes long. It builds yeah. up from like just a single guitar or a sing, like it's a couple little sounds up into this full, yeah. huge sounding um, production. Really cool song. Yeah, and mine is another little throwback that I think you could kind of classify as one of those songs you kind of always heard growing up and didn't fully realize how awesome it is. I was watching Black Mirror, the episode San Junipero, and the song Heaven is a Place on Earth by Belinda Carlisle was at the end, and I was like, oh my god, this song's so good. It's this huge sound and pop song. You guys know the song, obviously. But I was reminded of how actually great that song is. Yeah, that's another one where I never really thought about it until right. you were playing it tonight before the show. Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah. That song's amazing. That's yeah. a, it's actually, like that's, for me, one of the coolest things that happens with music now. Yes. Where I hear a song that I always knew. Right. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Like, yes. This song's really cool. I've rediscovered so many things that I kind of wrote off when I was in like high school or college as being like, oh, that's just like pop music garbage. And I'm like, oh, no. That's actually amazing. Yeah, like some examples are like Kiss from a Rose by Seal. Yeah, That's yeah. maybe the earliest example. It is, it is. Because that was when we were still in college and yep. we had a little... It item. normalized going back and listening to these pop songs. It did, because I had a renaissance with that song where I was like, am I making a joke about liking this and song? At or? first we sort of were. And then we were like, oh no, this song's just great. It's awesome and the yeah. melody's really cool and I like listening to it. 
Um, and then there have been others since. I'm trying to remember. There's some other examples, but I there's can't. been a ton, and I think we've done a lot of recommendations of the week that have ended up being those. But yeah, yeah. Uh, two great, great, great songs. Uh, last segment here, quick release radar. Not a ton this week. Um, two rock albums here that have been. I, I've seen some hype on Twitter. Is this new Turnstile album, Time and Space? Um, and then this new Vundabar album, Smell Smoke. I've been hearing good things about both from like the alternative and the Ian Cohens of the world. So maybe these will be a couple good records. I don't really know. Haven't heard anything from it. They're on my release radar, though. We'll have to check it out. That's right. Oh, also, um, I think you have a note here. You listened to Blue by Joni Mitchell. I oh, also yeah. did. Yes, we both listened. Uh, I said I would a few weeks ago. It's Awesome. It's really, really cool. It's so good. Joni Mitchell is one of these people who I think came about at the wrong time because she was yeah. she was already really popular and very well respected, but she came around in an era where I don't think she's she did about as well as you could for being a woman in the sixties. I don't mean that in a misogynist way, I mean that in like that's fucked up way. Yeah. Like she should she is kind of like this genius person. And I was doing a little bit of reading about Blue, and it's just like the Wikipedia is like widely regarded as the best like album by a female artist of all time. I was like, oh my God, how have I not listened to this before? And it's crazy. Is how weird is it and kind of fucked up that, that we even have a standard of right. like women v- right. female artists versus male artists. Right. Like it's weird because on on two accounts because it's like why do we care about that? And also like why do I deep down kind of care about that? I know. We're why, just yeah we're primed that way. Why it's did I, why did I growing up subconsciously and, yeah. and in some ways consciously not listen to female artists I know. as much? I don't know. That's a problem. Yeah, it was. And like, we I, need to explore that. I do, and like I, well, I do, because it's the same. It's the same for everybody. And then, it's fucked up. And in, and I think everyone would acknowledge that, especially through the '60s, through the '90s, probably even the the 2000s, up until this decade, it's kind of normalized a little bit. Yeah, rock's been kind of like heavily boys club, heavily a boys club. Yeah, yeah. seriously. No, you're you're 100 percent right. And it's like you look through. Like the Rolling Stone top 500 albums of all time. She is like, the highest ranking female. And it's only number 30. Yeah. How is it that there are 29 other albums that have no female representation in the in the top 30? That's crazy. All these dudes made better music? Yeah. Like, it's actually a really weird standard. It makes Very. you question a lot about like what you accept as good I, music. I know. And the best music in quotes. I, yes. One, yes. Yes. 100%. Because it's fucked up. There's this contemporary of Joni Mitchell. I took this class in college about 60s music. Yeah. Have you ever heard of Laura Nero? Yes, because you told me about her. She is That's really, the only reason why. Really, really cool. She was sort of a contemporary of Joni yep. Mitchell. She's basically not famous. Right. But was very, very talented right. and did a lot of cool stuff. Right. Um, but yeah, Blue is awesome. The song California is sick. California is great. And she, River's was, great. Ri, dude, River River's is, amazing. Uh, that's on my, my Yule Love This Christmas playlist. Yeah. playlist. Um, on California, she's playing a fucking dulcimer, dude. Oh, really? That's a that's, dulcimer. That's awesome. That's um, cool. And there's such a cool like groove in that song. I also love the first track on there. I think it starts it off so like so well. Um, it just has a really nice like tone to it, I'm, I'm trying to think of the name right now of that first track. As I listen uh, through, all, all I want, really, really good. As I listened through, I knew more of these songs than I thought. Like I, I sure, remembered yeah. my old man. Yep. I knew Carrie. Um, you're a, like, what is it, mean old daddy? But whatever. <laughs> yeah. He's she's saying like, I knew more of these songs than I thought. What's weird though is that it, it looks like one of her most popular songs on Spotify from this album is a case of you. I That's think, a cool song. I don't think I knew it though. I did not know it. I didn't. I don't think I knew any of these. I think I maybe knew River, but that you know was what, it. You know what you should listen to if you've never heard it is Joni Mitchell's 
original, like the she wrote the song version of Woodstock. Oh, do you know that song Woodstock? Yeah, yeah, you might yeah. Know it by I, name. I, I think I do. But Crosby yeah, still isn't yeah. someone that's like, we are stardust. Yeah. We are golden. Her version of it is totally different. It's not poppy and catchy at all. Right. It's like downbeat and haunting as, as hell. I'm going to check that out. And I also didn't know until a few months ago that she wrote Big Yellow Taxi. Yeah. Counting cool. Crows. That's uh, right. Made famous again. That's right. That's a cool song. I think yeah. it's the most popular on Spotify. It right is. Now, right? It is. Yep. Yep. Pave paradise and put up a parking lot. That's right. Uh, yeah, that does it for this week. Good to be back. It is good to be back. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Yeah, I was going to ask you about uh, podcasts. Uh, what's his name? The hardcore history guy. Carlin. Did, yeah. Did you listen to that new one, Painfotainment? No. no. Oh, I no? haven't. Have you? It's like four hours. I, I did the thing where it's like, it's a topic you're not super interested in. So you in. got started with so it. So you got started and you're like, wait, you are talking about way too much shit. Like he did this like framing narrative of this thing that he's actually talking about in the 17th century in France but then he uses oh. that to then talk about like the Roman Colosseum and all that shit. That sounds fascinating. So it's like yeah it's all about how like people over time have like wanted to watch like violence and yeah. things like that and why that is. It's pretty interesting. Here's yeah. the thing that happened is my phone recently like for some reason my podcast app got all freaked out mm-hmm. and deleted all my subscriptions. Mm. So oh, I, had, weird. I had to go back in and like add them all, yeah. and I forgot some. Like I oh, yeah, realized recently, yeah, yeah. I forgot like Pete Holmes. Right. I forgot right. like Song Exploder. Right. And so I went back. I was like, Oh yeah, shit! I have to yep. subscribe to these again. I must have forgot. I think I forgot Hardcore History. Couple other good ones. So Zach Lowe and The Watch interviewed Jonathan Abrams, who just wrote an oral history about The Wire. Oh, called shit. All the Pieces Matter. Super interesting podcast. I'm gonna go get that. They basically right just now. talk about the wire and some of the interesting like behind the scenes things that they talked about. Yeah. Um, this book sounds amazing. I really want to get it. I have a bunch of other books I'm trying to read right I would, now, so I, would I, love to read I that. might have to do it later on. But sounds really, really is, good. Is the watch the better one to listen to? Um, actually, it might be the low post one. The low post one's longer. Oh. Um, is it all? They're about- both. They're both good. Honestly, they both. Because I think what Zach Lowe said, he's like, I listened to some of your other interviews to know what to not ask you. Oh. So like, they were actually pretty different. They overlapped a little bit. Um, connect. They were both. They were both pretty good, though. Yeah, uh, I've been listening to because they're so fucking long in installments. The uh, Ben Gibbard on Pete Holmes. Oh yeah, it's been pretty cool. Ooh, I haven't gotten I to the maybe check that because at the end is when he gets to cosmic shit and yeah, like he gets into yeah, like yeah. religious beliefs yep. and stuff like that. It's usually like the most interesting part yep. for me. Um, but it's Ooh, been cool. I'm gonna, so I'm, far. Gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna check that out too. Yeah, it's, yeah that uh, sounds awesome. It's pretty long. It's uh, like two and a half hours long. Yeah. No, that's okay. That's all right. Um, so yeah, I've been I've been checking that out. Cool. Uh, I'm I'm like behind on other shit. Like I, I are you gonna listen to the new Parent Corner from Simmons? Well, I like, listened to the first ten minutes because he has his son on. Oh, and oh. like they, it's like new material. Then the re- I mean, I've heard the rest of the stuff. I don't need to go back and listen. He's so, right. I, I, but it is the first ten minutes were good to hear his son. His son's like a little like p boy, like fourth grader. He's like, right. 
this is such a heat check move by Simmons having him on the podcast. Like, dude, I like your dad's one thing. Having your little like shithead kid on here, I don't know. He was uh, he was on the end of that episode, right? Um, right with Sal, right earlier in the week. Like your son is more funny in in like theory as and when he, and as a story than like the real thing. That's so in weird. my opinion. Yours is but spiking more than mine. Too much gain? No, there's like no gain on yours. Is there? Louder. Yeah, you might be talking louder. Yeah, okay, I just spiked for me. Yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna listen to that. I, yeah, I gotta catch up. I like a bunch of them have accumulated. Oh, it's so stressful. And I bit off more than I could chew. Yeah, I like thought I wanted to listen to that one Atlanta Monster. Have you heard of that? No. It's about this like series of murders that happened in Atlanta in the late '70s. A bunch of black kids Ooh, went missing. That's interesting. It's, yeah, it was really, I, the first episode was really cool. Yeah. I didn't listen to the second. Right, I haven't gotten to right, anything right. yet because like I can't catch up on like my weekly episodes. Yeah, I haven't listened to any more Hayden's uh, like 21st Century Boss stuff yet. Oh, I just listened to the one. That's what I wanted to bring up. I just listened to the one with with Patrick Stickles today. How was that? I it was really passionate. good. He uh, it's so funny cuz like Hayden was like so where does the river rank for you? He's like honestly, he's like it's probably only my fifth favorite Springsteen album. They spent the whole time kind of shitting on it. It was actually cool cuz I don't love the river either. You don't. No, I think there's a lot of filler on there and Stickles said that. He's like he's like oh this one he's like this could have been left off. It was awesome. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. And I'm sure people who love The River, like that's my dad's favorite Springsteen record. Really? I'm sure there's people who are What's like... What's on The River? Uh, uh, the, the song The River, which is great. Hungry Heart. Other than that, dude, there's like no like hits on it. Oh, I know Hungry it. Heart. Yeah. Um, I've never listened to The River. I'm going to listen to the podcast anyways. Like I listened, Oh, it's, it's interesting. I yeah. thought that the first two episodes were good. I, I it Best was just, one so far was... Probably this river one, just because Stickles is so interesting. How was and Julian then, about uh, darkness? Uh, I it was kind of like, and I've noticed this about it, this has happened in every episode. People reference like the record that came before it or after whatever album they're actually talking about a ton. She ended up talking about like Born to Run like a lot, a lot. on her. So I think that's the problem with each of these is like. The They're most not quite focused. The most focused one was the first one, actually. It was, it was good. The and first then, one was good. It other than that, I, I, I got. I've been a little disappointed overall. I think. Yeah, actually. I think that. I think that like Rosenstock is more of the type of dude who is just passionate about music in a way that's not super yeah, categorical yeah, or analytical. Yeah. Because he would be like, because like Haydn would be like, well, what about this like very specific lyric? He's like, I, dude, I just like love this song, man. And that's the problem I think with interviewing mus- mus- musicians all the time about. Yeah. Springsteen's like it maybe would have been more interesting if you had like critics on. Yeah, people who like spend more time thinking yeah, actively about yeah. it. Yeah. Although like Stickles, I did like he like did his fucking homework. He like had books and like stuff like he was quoting. It was like Yeah. That that's pretty cool. I can't yeah. wait to listen to those. I, I have not caught up. I'm on I've done the first two. Made me want to listen to Steen's first two albums. Yeah. I I, I only got through the first. Uh the while the innocent the E Street Shuffle's better. That's the sense I've gotten. I didn't dislike the first one. No, it's just like there's a lot of like ideas there, and I had a lot of disjoint. It was something of a disjointed listen. Yeah, um, it's not a. Gr- it's honestly, it's not a great record. It's really not. I enjoyed it's it. Fu- That's how I've always been with it. I don't like ever listen. I listen like a few times. It's like I get it. Like I, I don't want to listen to this. I, the that song uh, "Spirit in the Night." Mm-hmm. In that sounds pretty Spare good. The night's good. That's like a Van Morrison thing he's yeah. doing there. I'm gonna get some water. Growing up start. is a good song. Um, Blinded by the light, obviously, Blinded is the on there. Uh, is it? Hold on. Filibuster. Jake is getting water. 
I love um, Rosalita come out tonight. Uh, that's his best early years song. I've heard you say that before. Is it wrong for me to like the Manfred Mann Blinded by the Light? No, I think it's a better version. Better than Spring Oh, Chase. yeah. No, I think it's a, like accepted better version. Because it's like yeah, there's a few where people like like Hendrix's um, all on the Watchtower. Yeah, yeah. It's weird that someone who made so much less of an impact on music like Manfred Mann, <laughs> yeah, yeah, did like a better Blinded by the Light. I, I guess it makes sense because that was Steen's first album, right? But yeah, right. I it's good. It's still interesting, but it's like it's not. I, I guess maybe I'm so used to like the spacey '70s yeah. version of it's it. It's different, yeah. And the treatment of the mama has told me not to look into the what the eye of the sun or whatever. But yeah. mama, that's where the fun is, right? Manfred Mann, that's who it is, right? It is. It is. Blows that part into this like space age. It's like a jam part. Yeah, the Springsteen version like kind of leaves something to be desired. He just kind of rushes right through that part. And like the coolest thing about that song is the fact that I know it got covered and is famous. Right. And like yeah, exactly. It's it's a better curiosity of like, oh, this is the original version than it is a song. Yeah, that's how I that's how I feel, and it's kind of a little bit true of All in the Watchtower. Oh, 100%. Even yeah. though I like Dylan's yeah. fine. 100%. It's like, it's like uh, what did Hendrix hear in this to make him like, know. turn this into like this masterpiece? Uh, uh, yeah. Seriously, I don't know. Man. With like these that, dude, that dude like heard color. So. Yeah, had synesthesia. Yeah. Hendrix is an interesting guy. Very. Uh, but yeah, I've been on a little Bruce kick myself. I was listening to Darkness on the Edge of Town. Um, is Born to Run still your favorite album by him? Or? It has to be, yes. It is. It is. But like, I go through moods and phases where I'm like, I would rather listen to Darkness. And yeah. like, you need some Adam Raised to Cain in your life. Man. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, that's not the best song on that album. It's no, it's one of my least favorites, actually. I like it, though. I, I like the way he sings in that song. Uh, I Julian Baker mentioned she's like, when I first heard this song, I was like, this is weird. It's like, this doesn't sound like a Bruce Springsteen song. Because he's doing that like... I always, I always thought that too, yeah. He's doing that like... Yeah, it's not very Springsteen. No, it's not. It's, it's not. like very, it's actually, and the reason it's not is that it's like much more clearly derivative of something than a lot of his others. Like it's clearly like a bluesy thing he's doing. Right. My, a lot of his stuff is like melding all these different genres. My my favorites on Darkness are something in the night. Uh, prove it all night. Streets of Fire. Streets of Fire is so good. Darkness on the edge of town. Though, yeah, I gotta re-listen to that album. The thing with Springsteen is like I go through these little mini discovery phases. Mm-hmm. I've never had a moment where I'm like, oh, I'm gonna go all the way the fuck right. in. Honestly, like for me, as much as I love love Born to Run and Darkness, Darkness, the rat like Born in the USA is obviously great. Um, the river has never really grabbed me. Well, Tunnel Nebraska. of Love, Nebraska has never grabbed me either. There's certain songs on all of those that I think are amazing. The two albums I I go back to and, and only love front to back are Born to Run and Darkness. So, so Tunnel of Love doesn't stack up either. Ton- There's great songs on there, but it's like as a whole album, I'm like, oh, like I don't I don't know. I just haven't put the time in too. Like I need to listen more. Something about Springsteen has always been. It's been like hard for me. To get way, way into his style. Mm-hmm. And I can have a mood where I'm like, yep, I'm feeling right. it right now. Right. But I like won't be the next day. Almost, I, I know, yeah. almost as a yeah, rule. Yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah. I know what you mean. This could have been on the podcast. This dude. this was good. This was good stuff. But after show, it's fine. After it's show. fine. Uh let's dive in because we do have a lot to we actually do have a lot to talk about yes. this episode for once. We do. Okay, here we go. Three, two, one. 